are Hope Church Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering online. Please go to www.hopechurchguildford.com for more details. We look forward to getting to know you. So my name's Chris and I get the joy of leading Hope Church and working alongside Phil and Stuart and Josh is here in, in the, uh, I was going to say studio, it's just an office, it's, <laughs> it's really not a studio, um, and, but it's great fun and, and we, we have enjoyed it and as a, as a kind of an eldership team we've really felt that as we prepare in, in six weeks time to start meeting again regularly, hopefully, you know, if sort of COVID guidance allows, that we, we just felt it would be really good to dive back into Acts, into those early Christians to, to kind of see what did they do and to help us then to look at what should we expect for us in Hope Church today in Guildford in 2020. And this is it's a bit really, Acts is kind of like a blueprint for the church. Uh, it's the very first Christians to, to meet together and we get to look at it and see what went on. And whilst Acts has gone by many names, like Acts of the Apostles or Acts of the Holy Spirit, we've decided to call this series Acts of the Church. And we've called it that because we're specifically diving into the first eight chapters that, that kind of share about the different activities of the church, of the people of God. And that's going to be the focus. So, you know, there might be bits where you're thinking, oh, I can't believe they didn't preach on that bit or that bit. Well, that's because we're just specifically focusing on the people of God, what they did and what that means for us today as we go through. So far, we've, we've had two so far in the series. The first one, week one, we looked at chapter one and how we can't do anything outside of the power of the Holy Spirit. We just need to wait on the Lord. And as he fills us, then we're able in his power to evangelize, to share, to give, to pray, to, to be the people of Hope Church in our community. And there's no point doing anything as a church if we're not all filled by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then last week, we had a look at, well, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And we, we looked through six questions, just, you know, what, what can we expect? What does it look like? Is being filled with the Holy Spirit for us today, now, is it for me? Can we, can we when we look in Acts chapter 2, can we uh, trust that actually that's for us today? And, and what gives us a, um, the kind of reasons why it would be? And, uh, and so we, we looked at all that last week. And this week... Were, I've entitled the talk, How to Follow Jesus. How, how do we follow Jesus? What does following Jesus look like? And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at the, the last bit of Acts chapter 2 in a, few, in a few minutes time. And leading up, just before we hear, Dee's going to read that to us. And just before we, we hear her, leading up to what she's about to read, what happens is that the People of God are filled with the Holy Spirit. They spill out onto the streets and people, they think they're drunk. And Peter, he gets up and he preaches. And when he preaches, he kind of tells them why they're not drunk and that this, they've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And this has been prophesied from years ago from Joel. And, he, and so he quotes from Joel. But then his witnessing, what he does is he tells them about Jesus. He literally gives a bit of a biography. This is what Jesus, this is his life. This is, he died, he rose again. And that's how he witnesses. In fact, uh, another way you could call the book of Acts is Acts of the Witnesses or uh, a book of speeches, because a th over a third of the book of Acts is actually preachers. It's sermons that people like Peter and, and Paul and Stephen gave. And whenever they witness and share about Jesus, they talk about his life. 
They talk about his death. They just talk about him. And you know what? It's so easy for us today to overcomplicate evangelism. And we can kind of reduce it down to a formula. Your sin plus God's love and Jesus' death on the cross equals salvation. And the problem with that is that what happens is that people can, can become a Christian and then what they're looking for is, well, what else can Jesus do for me? You know, um, he, oh, so he's, he's sorted out my salvation. What else can he do for me? What else can he do? How else can he sort out my life? And there is an element of all of that that is true. But I think what this passage is going to tell us and invite us to is, is really we should be asking, what more can I do to follow him? And that's the very question that the people of God or the, the people listening to Peter's sermon ask. They say, what can I do? What should I do? Uh, and, and that's the way around the question is. And often when we tell people about Jesus and we talk to them about his life, his death, his resurrection, and we encourage them to follow him, that's when we're making disciples. When they're saying, hey, okay, I'm going to follow him in, in this way. Well, what else can I do to follow him? How else can I do to follow him? And, and people then looking at every single area of their life and how they can follow him and be like him. And do you know what? That's what this, this message is going to be about. And we're going to look at two key things. So Dee's going to read a bit and I'm going to look at the answer, the answer that Peter gives to that question, what must we do to be saved, that they ask. And then I'm going to read a bit more, which is the, the last sort of five or six verses of the chapter and we're going to look at the outcome when people follow Jesus put their trust in him there's an answer but then there's an outcome their lives change and it looks different and so we're going to look at both things what does it mean to follow Jesus the answer and the outcome so let's first listen to D he's going to um, she's going to uh, read from Acts chapter 2 verse 36 to 41 Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptised, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks so much, Dee. And so there you go. What more shall we do to be saved? What can I do to follow Jesus? How should I follow Jesus? It's repent and be baptized. So let's just talk about those. That's the answer that, that uh, Peter gives. So the first thing is repent. And repent, it literally means to change your mind, to change direction. It's like you're walking along one way in your life. You're, you're making the decisions about your life. You're doing things in, in your way, the way you want it, in your timing, with your, yeah, with, with your kind of values. And Peter says, hey, you need to stop doing that. You need to change your mind. You need to turn around. You need to repent and go into a new direction. Repentance isn't just about words, but it's also about action. 
So repentance is coming and saying, I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry for, the, for my sin. I'm sorry for when I mess up. I'm sorry for when I, uh, with my own pride and my own selfishness, I choose to go in one direction. But it's not just saying sorry. It's also action. It's like, and now I'm going to choose to commit to you. I'm going to choose to follow you. I'm going to choose to go in your way, in, in your direction. What should I? What should we do, Lord? Well, I'm going to go in your direction. Well, what does that look like? You know, how does that how does that impact my relationship, my my speaking, my talking, my my finance, my work, my my status, the way I do life? Lord, I want to seek you, and I'm going to follow you, and I'm not just going to do that in one part of my life, but go the, my way in every other part. Actually, I'm going to, my whole life is going to be given over to you to following you. That's what it means to repent. It's not just saying. I'm, uh, like a prayer of I'm sorry, it's changing my whole mindset. And, you know, in, in the verse, it says, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. In Romans, it talks about, um, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is, this is what repentance looks like. It's, Lord, I, I want you to fill me with your Holy Spirit that I might be renewed and transformed, that I might live for you and follow you in every area of my life. That's what it means to repent. You, we were going along one way, we're now going to turn and walk in a new direction in every area of our lives, uh, following uh, God, following Jesus, following the, the prompting of the Holy Spirit in our life. It's a, it's a choice to, to act, it's a choice to, to, to follow him. That's what it means to repent, it's words and action. And it's kind of why it's important from the start that Peter doesn't just say, um, the whole of Christianity is just about forgiveness and nothing else. It's why he says, hey, no, you need to come and follow Jesus. Uh, it's why Jesus says, come and follow me. And you see all the disciples, they, 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 every single area of their life changes and transforms as they follow him. You know, so many times I, I can see and I hear Christians kind of devaluing the whole of the Christian faith to forgiveness in God. And do you know what? If you went on holiday for two weeks and you told all your friends that you were going on holiday for two weeks and then when you got back from the holiday, you spent your time describing your holiday by describing the departure lounge and your luggage and just being at the airport, you would f your friends would feel like you got shortchanged on your holidays. You spent the whole time just in the departure lounge of the airport. Do you know what? A bit like... Um, forgiveness forgiveness is a bit like the departure lounge of christianity it's but that's all it is is a departure lounge it's a place by which you can now go off and explore all sorts of many amazing things to be found in christ like um joy identity significance security value dignity purpose destination calling gifts of the spirit there's there's lots of destinations to be found in jesus there's lots of areas for your whole life to be changed and transformed and yet it's so easy to reduce all of Christianity to the forgiveness departure land and let's be a people that explore all that there is in Christ let's be a people that follow Jesus in every way we can it starts with repenting choosing to change my whole worldview all my value system to follow Jesus and to to be obedient to what he tells me and to ask the question not Jesus what else can you do for me but Lord what more can I do what, how else can I follow you? What other areas will you speak to me, spirit, that I need to be transformed and renewed into your likeness? Which is why I'm not surprised that part of his answer was to be baptised. 
Because baptism is that, that first step of, a, of obedience. If someone is willing to um, publicly declare all that Jesus has done in their heart by being baptised, then they're likely to be obedient to Jesus in the private things of their life. And if they're not willing to do that, well, then you've got to ask, well, what else are they not willing to do? If the very first step they're not willing to take, then what other steps would they not be willing to take to follow Jesus? And so he goes on, verse 41, he says, those um, who accepted his message, they were baptised. And about 3,000 were added that day. What I find really interesting is, as we talk about baptism, is that the Christian, that Luke regards those who were Christians as those who repented and were baptised. What we don't get given is how many people repented, how many people put their hand up in prayer to say, I'm sorry, but then didn't get baptised. We, we don't know that figure. We don't know how many people did that. All we know is how many repented and then got on and baptised. And there was 3,000 that then were called Christians, were added to, to the 120 that, that were meeting earlier on in the room. Their, that repentance that they did, it turned into action. One of those steps was baptism. And then there'll be many other steps. If you want to follow Jesus, then I want to encourage you that one of the very first things you can do as a step of obedience, as a step of saying, hey, I'm not going to go my way anymore. I'm going to follow you in your way is to get baptised. And I kind of and if you don't want to do that, my question is, well, why not? Jesus got baptised. All his disciples got baptised. Every single Christian in the whole of Acts got baptised. So before we get any denominations, before we get Christian tradition or history, people that were regarded as Christians in the very early church were those who got baptised. And so if, if they're called to get baptised, do you know what? So are we today. There's, there's no reason why we shouldn't. Jesus did it. He encourages his disciples to do it. The disciples encouraged the 120 to do it. The 120 see now these 3,000 get baptised. Let's be a people who go and do it and get baptised. And when we get baptised, well, what is that? What is baptism? Well, it's, it's full immersion. It's going into the water. They would have done it in rivers and, and pools back in, back in those days. We, we do the same here, actually. We, we, sometimes we have a baptism pool in a church. Sometimes we'll go down to, to a river, down to the sea. I know as a church we've done that before, gone down to like West Witterings or something. Uh, you can do it in a swimming pool, but it's full immersion. And what, it, what baptism does, it kind of symbolises all that's happened in your heart, but it's, it's more than just a symbol. It's also a powerful thing as, as we publicly declare, as we share with our friends and our family, hey, this is what God has done in my life. It's why I absolutely love them. I love baptisms because I get to hear people's testimony. I get to hear how they got to this point of, of really trusting Jesus, following him, and then taking these steps of obedience, which is why we're all looking forward to, to seeing Tim get baptised next Sunday as he and as he says yeah I, this is this is for me this is what I want to do I want to follow Jesus and I'm trusting him in this so baptism it it kind of represents three things it's like a bath a cradle and a grave it's a grave like as in when you go down into the baptism waters and come up again you're like identifying with Jesus as he died on the cross 
and rose again. It's, you're connecting with him in that and you're saying, I'm dying to my old ways, to my old way of thinking, my own views. And I'm saying, I'm now, as I get rise again, I, I'm looking forward to the resurrection, hope that I can be found in Jesus. And I'm saying, I'm going to walk your way. I'm going to follow you. So it's, it's, like a, it's like a grave. It's also like a cradle because when a person becomes a Christian, they're like a new creation. They're, they are born again into new life and filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's like they're coming out of, out of a cradle and and to start off with they're uh, an, a young Christian and they're going to delve into God's word and they're going to grow and mature and that happens through through this process and that this is part of it being obedient to Jesus is part of following him and maturing and growing and it's also like a bath because it's representing as they as they prayed and repented their sins are are washed away they're they're separated from them as far as east is from west that's what happens when you become a Christian and when you come out of the baptism waters it's like representing that the sins being washed off of us and now we're being clothed in Jesus it's not that we never mess up but it's that when God looks on us he doesn't see our sin and our shame instead he sees Jesus righteousness in our place so the question to what shall we do how shall we follow Jesus the the answer to that is to repent and to be baptized it is to turn in a new direction and it's to commit to him it's to start that those steps of obedience baptism is the first step not not the last step and so it's good for people to do when they first become a Christian I know for various reasons people will do that later on for all sorts of different reasons and that's fine too it, regardless of when we do it it's important for us to do it and I want to encourage you if you've maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and you've never got around to it hey we can do that get in touch maybe you've recently just become a Christian hey we can get you baptized get in touch and we'd love to to do that on your confession of faith of of Jesus so there's the answer now we're going to read the rest of the chapter and we'll look at the outcome so verse 42 it says this so having accepted the message having been baptized 3,000 added it says they the outcome they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles all the believers were together and had everything in common they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They, not just in the temple though, they also broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so in here we, we see that out of the kind of the repentance and the obedience, out of baptism, the, the natural outcome of becoming a Christian is to, and the natural outcome of following Jesus is to, to share together, to give together, to pray together, to learn together, to, to laugh together, to eat together, to break bread together, to do life together, to grow together, to, to laugh together. All of that is, is in there. We'll just, let's just, we'll just talk them through. It starts off, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They, they devoted themselves to learning together they go hey do you know what we're gonna we're gonna learn from the apostles and you know amazingly we can do that today because we have we have their their letters we, we've got acts we've got the gospels we can learn from the apostles and 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 we can and they would have learned from them when the apostles also read the old testament and and taught them what it meant and how how what it, what it looked like and do you know what when people explain the bible 
we, we all learn and we grow. That's what it means to follow Jesus. We devote ourselves to, to hearing sermons and preachers when people are unpacking the apostles' teaching. It's all good stuff, and, and that's what they did. They also devoted themselves to fellowship. You know, YouTube, this is great. It's great that we can connect screen to screen. And absolutely, this whole pandemic would have been a lot harder if we couldn't connect in some way through Zoom or through YouTube or whatever. But this isn't, this isn't the future of Hope Church. The future of Hope Church is meeting together again. It's why we're, you know, it's why I feel so excited about it. And he said it like a million times in his opening. <laughs> it's because we want, to, we want to gather together because we're devoted to fellowship. Fellowship is when, we, is when we gather, it's when we connect, it's, it's when you do life together because a Christian is not an island. You can't, you can't do this by yourself. Actually, we're called to be in fellowship with, with others and as iron sharpens iron, so one sharpens another. This is what the word of God says. And so they're devoted to it. They're devoted to breaking bread. That's communion. That's when we celebrate Jesus' life, death and resurrection as, as he taught the the disciples too, to, by breaking bread and declaring this is Jesus' body broken for them and drinking the wine when he declared that, that was his blood spilt for, the, for them. It's celebrating all that we have in Christ as, as Christians. And they devote themselves to prayer. You know, I loved on, on Friday gathering with 500 people from the commissioned family of churches that we prayed for India and the people of India and we prayed for the pandemic and all that's going on there. Obviously, it's a really hard situation, but when Christians come together and pray, it's a good thing. It's why we have like a, a prayer calendar and every day we pray for six different people in our church. And, and again, if you, if you haven't got hold of these, grab hold of them. They're on our Facebook page. You can, we can email them to. They'll be in your email somewhere in your inbox. Uh, you can get hold of these and you can pray. And they devoted themselves to prayer together. They did that together. Everyone, they were filled with awe and wonder. They, but they believed together and um, all the believers were together and they had things in common. This is... It's so interesting, isn't it, that as we've gone through these last few weeks, we just see over and over and over again that um, rarely do you ever see people by themselves, like Christians by themselves, just doing this their thing over here or their thing over there. They're always together doing, like doing something. They're either praying or they're sharing, they're doing communion, they're together. And, and here they notice that all that were in need, you know, this is verse 45, all that were in need were, were cared for. Just recently we've had uh, someone for, uh, move into Guildford and I've loved seeing how just people all across our church have been given like wardrobes and cabinets and fridges and TVs. And this is, this is what we do. This is what the people of God do. They share together and support and help. I think just this week I was just, yeah, I think it was Phil actually, oh, here's a spare wardrobe. Does anyone want it? You know, come and collect it and making sure that those that are connected to us in any way are in need and you might be in need. And if you are, get in touch, connect with us because we can support you and help you. And we have people that are ready and willing to, to care, to make sure that those in our midst are, are taken care of. Um, it says that they met in the temple and they broke bread in homes. I, I find it so interesting that when they gathered together, they gathered in the temple together, a large corporate gathering where they would have worshipped and heard the teaching, and they gathered in small home groups. And do you know what? It's exactly what we do here at Hope Church. And this is why we do it. This is where it all comes from. We, we meet together on Sundays uh, at the Royal Grammar School. And that's what, that is, that is the general state of life. You know, you might have joined us in the pandemic and think, oh, this is it. No, it's not. We meet together. And we do that because that's what they did. 
we also meet in home groups, small groups, gathering together. We do that. It's so important um, to do as we unpack God's word, as we, as we share one another. And it's not just about um, going through a Bible study. We already heard the word fellowship. And they, it all says here, they, they eat together with glad and sincere hearts. What that means is that having meals together is so important. It's, it's right for us to do. Having laughter and joy and fun and jokes is important and it's right for us to do. And also having sincerity, you know, when someone's struggling or, or um, going through hardship, like getting alongside them and caring for them. All these things our life groups do. And it's why we, they're the backbone of our church. It's why we always encourage you guys, get part of a life group, join in with them. It's so important to do. And as we do that, we get, we get to praise God and, and just find favour amongst one another and, and enjoy life and do life together. And do you know what it says? The last few words says, the Lord added to their number daily. This wasn't, it's so easy for small groups to become cliques or for groups in church to become cliques. And yet actually God was adding to them daily and they were opening up their homes and saying, hey, come in, come in, come in. Do you know, the, the group of people that were filled with the Holy Spirit were 120 and then God added 3,000. And it would have been really easy for the 120 to be like, to out of everything they've experienced to kind of not want those 3,000 to come in because they've got a connection because they've all experienced something incredible when God filled them with the Holy Spirit at the beginning of Acts 2. But instead, God adds 3,000, which basically means that for each one of them, they had a life group of 25. You know, that's, what, that's, that's how many people they needed to look after between that 120 to connect with. And it might be that you're part of a life group and you're full. And my question is, well, how, how are you going to let more people in? Maybe you might be listening to this and you're part of a life group. Maybe it's time for you to take to start a new life group, to make space for new people to be added, to, to make sure that others can, can be welcomed in because it's so easy for it to become full and then it, it kind of stops. Hey, we need our life groups to open up, to, to, to multiply um, so that people can be added. And, and the reality is that people want to. We've got six life groups at the moment. People want to be added to the life group, but they're, but they're all full. And it might be that, hey, today you're listening, you think, I could open up my home. I could, I could do that. You know, you don't, you don't, you, all you need to do is you need to love Jesus and be willing to, to follow him. If you can do that, you'll be able to help others love Jesus and be willing to follow him. And so what about you? What's God saying to you? Are you part of a life group that's full? Would you be willing to open up your homes and, and open that life group up to help others connect? You know, as we just look at all these things that they did together I one thing that they didn't do is the apostles didn't go around dragging and persuading people and cajoling them to be devoted to those things it just says they were devoted having repented and got baptized they were followers of Jesus and now they're saying hey what else can I do and they devoted themselves to the teaching they devoted themselves to prayer they devoted themselves to bread you know I find it's you know, across churches, across the UK, it's so easy for discipleship and growth in ministry to all come down to the pastor meeting with every single individual one-on-one. -on -one. That doesn't happen at all in Acts. You just don't see that. In fact, you rarely see any one-to-one -one discipleship, which I find quite interesting. It's not that it's bad. It's good to connect one-to-one -one and to read the Bible. But actually, what you find is groups all the time, either groups at the temple or groups in homes or 
you know, or and when you do find like a witnessing, so for example, you might find Philip witnessing to the Ethiopian eunuch and who then gets baptized and then he goes to his country and starts churches. And that's where all those churches are kind of grown out from, from this individual. And so you get, you might get some one-to-one witnessing, but ongoing discipleship and growing is part of being grouped together. It's part of being church together. And we just see that in Acts. And I want to encourage you again, if you're not part of a, of a group, then, then maybe join one. Either a serving group or a life group or whatever. Hey, you, you can do that and, and that will help you to grow. But the onus, the responsibility for the discipleship, it wasn't placed on the apostles. The, the responsibility, the onus came from every individual Christian. They devoted themselves to prayer. They devoted themselves to teaching. They devoted themselves to breaking bread. They devoted themselves to, to going to the home, to going to temple, to going to, um, yeah, having fun and joy together. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're, if you're wondering, how do I follow Jesus? How do I grow in my faith? If you're sitting back waiting for someone to pick up the phone and kind of cajole you and drag you out of your bed, do you know, it's probably not going to happen. I'm, I'm not going to be the one ringing you up doing that. You need to take some responsibility and some ownership to devote yourself to reading the Bible, to praying, to coming to church, to joining a life group. And that is how you will grow. And you might think, oh, well, you know, I, I don't know, people in my life group are too young or people in my life group are too old or people I'm further along in my journey of faith than others in, in the life group. Well, then you go and be a part of that solution. Help them to grow. Be, you know, it's not just about studying the Bible. It's also about fellowship together and living life together and praying for one another. It's so much more than just a, a Bible study, which is why it's important to be a part of and be devoted to. And this is challenging stuff, isn't it? I, I mean, I, I feel like the whole of Acts is challenging. It's, it challenges all of us to kind of just rethink what should church look like? What should Hope Church look like? Well, I believe that as I read through, you know, these few verses, it should look like people who, who repent, who choose to follow Jesus, who turn towards him. So I'm going to give up my, my worldview, my own thinking. I'm going to trust in Jesus' worldview and his thinking. That's going to affect my relationships, my work, my study, everything I do, my, my relationships, my witnessing. People that get baptised and say, yeah, I'm going to be obedient to Jesus. This is what he called me to do, so I'm going to do that as well. And then it's people who devote themselves to, to the word, to prayer, to each other, to breaking bread, to all these things. This is who we are, Hope Church. This is who we are in, in, our, in our essence. At the core of who we are, it's this. It's an Acts 2 church. And this is also who we aspire to be. So I wonder, what is God saying to you? What's... What's your next step of growing in Jesus or following him? What's your next step of obedience? Where is God calling you to start something new, lay down an old sin, pick up a new habit, read more Bible, pray more? Where, where is he calling you to do that? What's he calling you to? We're, we're called to be a people of God, devoting ourselves to all that he is saying and all that he's calling us to. I'm going to pray in a minute. And just before I do, I was speaking at the um, Surrey University just this week to, this, um, to the Christian Union. And um, I, I gave a, an analogy which I've given before. So if you've, if you've heard this before, forgive me, but I'm going to share it again because I think it's just helpful for us. And that is that if, um, if someone came up to you and they offered you £1,440 every single day of your life, would you accept it? And the answer is, yeah, of course, of course you would. Oh, that'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? Oh, thank you. 
And uh, if they said to you, right, I'm going to give you that £1,440 every day of your life, but I want you to give me back £20, would you do it? And of course you'd be like, yes, absolutely. In fact, you'd probably do it if they say you've got to give me back £100 because you know you're still going to be £1,340 plus every single day. You'd probably do it even if it was £500. But let's just stick with the £20 for now. You know that that's a good deal and you would do it and you would gladly give that £20 back. Do you know, without discrimination and without foul, God gives every single individual 1,440 minutes every day. No one gets more, no one gets less. And I wonder how many of us are willing to give back 20 minutes to him to pray, 20 minutes to read the Bible. You know, that's only 1%. If you give 30 minutes, it's like 1.5% to 2%. You know, if, if you did that, you would read the whole Bible in a year. And I wonder how many of us have read the whole Bible in this last year? How many of us have given 20 minutes to pray every day this last year? How many of us have, have given that time to, to grow in God, to, to follow him, to, to others, to, to pick up the phone for 20 minutes to talk to someone? You know, God is calling us to be devoted to him in prayer, in, in to, to each other, in um, communion, but all these things, it comes out of following him. It comes out of a relationship with him. And if we're going to be a force for good, if we're going to be hope church, if we're going to be hope to Guildford, then we need to be a people that are following Jesus, trusting him. That means praying and reading our Bible. That means walking with him and allowing him to renew and transform our minds. I am praying today that each of us will be inspired again to spend time every day to commit some, some of our time, to, to give back 1% or 2% of our time every day to allow him to renew our minds, to transform us, to speak to us through the power of his Holy Spirit and to, and so that, and, and to be obedient to them what he calls us to do as we look to impact not just Guildford but the nations in his name. Let's, let's pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for this book of Acts. I thank you, Lord God, for the, just how challenging it is to, to each of us, to the kind of structures and the things and the ideas that we've put in our minds. And I pray, Lord God, that for, for all of us who are connected to Hope Church, that you would help us to be a people who follow you with all our heart, mind and soul, that, that we would turn to you, that we would live for you, that we would trust you, and that, that we would also then devote ourselves to all that you are calling us to. We see these things that, that they devote them as us too and I thank you Lord God that across our church we we see that in abundance but Lord we, we never want to rest on our laurels we always want to be reminded yeah no it is right to give it is right to share it is right to, to support and help it is right to have communion it is right to pray it's right it's right to to listen to sermons it's right to read the bible and and it's just such a great reminder lord god of why we do the things we do why we do sundays in groups and so i just pray would you inspire us again would you equip us again i pray as we prepare to meet again lord god would you help us to devote ourselves to fellowship to loving one another and caring for one another and help us lord god to to continue to grow in you to follow you just like we saw these people these these first christians do lord that's this is how we want our church to be and acts 2 church help us lord god to live in the light of all that you've done in your heavenly name amen thanks for listening we're meeting online every sunday at 10 a.m 
Head to hopechurchguildford.com for more information. We look forward to seeing you.